From WDBM East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is Arts Editor Skylar Ashley, filling in for Burl Schwartz. Later on in the show, we hear from Summer Schreiner, owner of Bad Annie's in Old Town, which was voted Best New Business in this year's Top of the Town contest. We talked about what it's like being a small business owner in the turbulent times of the coronavirus. But first, we'll hear from Doak Bloss. Doak Bloss is a well-known fixture in the Lansing theater community, acting in numerous productions dating back to 1980. He's responded to the mass cancellations of local productions thanks to the pandemic by starting a series of roundtable discussions hosted via Zoom on his YouTube channel. The series is called House Left, and features a rotating panel of local actors and actresses discussing a wide range of topics, including how the lasting influence of the pandemic will change future theater productions. I talked with Bloss about what he's learned from these panels and what's going on in the world of local theater. House left, you gather about four or five um, people from the Lansing theater community and um, basically just have a group discussion about a wide range of topics. Um, why don't we just start off with what was the inspiration for you to start this project? What makes you want to kick it off in the first place? Yeah, it was mainly to provide a way for um, people in the theater community to connect um, in this time when we aren't doing plays in the conventional way. Um, and um, I'm I'm a facilitator, you know, basically by profession and. Um, it just seemed like a nice way to to try to do that, and even even in a way emulate the the whole phenomenon of having a cast of people who are some of whom know each other and don't know each other, um, different ages uh, and, and and genders and everything, talking together like you do after a rehearsal or you know in the green room or in a bar after the show. So was that the inspiration behind having it be a group discussion as opposed to doing uh, interviews one-on-one style? It's so much more dynamic, I think, to have multiple perspectives on in the same conversation. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the between, you know, the between people is really important, and that's also true of theater. You know, what happens on stage uh, with each actor or each audience member is not, as important as what happens between two actors on stage or between the actors and the audience. Um, it's that, that resonance that really, I think, um, is what makes theater dynamic. The times we're experiencing right now, I mean, has there ever been anything comparable that's affected the theater community in the way that the coronavirus pandemic has from oh, your perspective? No. No, I don't think so. Um, the only thing that compares, in my mind, would be the impact of the AIDS epidemic, which caused us to lose um, a number of people, both on the national stage and locally, um, and to, to the disease. Can you tell me a bit about what you've learned you know, talking to actors, members of the theater community, about what it's like to go through this process of just, you know, not being able to perform on stage, just this cooling off period, you know, and what kind of impact that's had on them emotionally. You know, what, what is, are some things people have told you? It is deep. Um, 
um, it is like having just a major part of your life ripped away. Um, for some folks who had already been cast in certain shows that we were really looking forward to, like Fun Home at uh, Peppermint Creek, uh, it really had an excellent cast organized, and we were in process. I was going to be the, the um, dramaturg for it, um, and I actually did a lot of dramaturgy for it. But um, the cast was so great, and the, the work is so great, and it's by Lisa Crone, who's a local Lansing you know, person, and it won a Tony Award, and uh, we were so looking forward to it. And many of the people that are involved in were involved in that, you know, their hearts were just really broken by not being able to do it, and then just the overlay of when will we, uh, we be able to do things the way we used to do. And many people don't think we will ever be able to do things exactly the way we used to do. Um, that there will have to be different forms and we'll have to be used to just a different uh, normal um, whenever we come out of uh, this woods. Do you think there will still be an appetite for theater from the fans after all this? Um, is, is that a concern on anybody's minds? Um, I don't think that's a huge concern because, you know, the appetite was not big to begin with. Um, many of the things that we, like, when I started doing community theater, we'd have full houses, you know, all the time um, for lots of plays, straight plays and musicals and everything. Um, in recent years, it's been more like, you know, a quarter of a house is acceptable and even, you know, considered good. <laughs> um, but I think that the need for what theater can provide to a community is going to increase greatly, uh, is increasing greatly, just the chance to come together and have um, meaningful nourishment in terms of ideas and feelings. Um, one one thing I've noticed in a lot of the participants in my dialogues has been, well, when I when it, when we do get back to something, you know, I'm not going to do um, uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I have no interest in doing you know flaky you know just entertainment sorts of shows. I want to do stuff that really relates to what we're experiencing now as a people. And I really think that that's going to provoke, and is provoking already, a whole new avenues of creativity for people. Um, and I, I definitely think an audience will be there, hopefully an even larger one than in the past. That was the topic of discussion on the um, latest episode. It's a history play, right. the ones you did with um, Rose Cooper and Connor Kelly. I found that episode incredibly interesting. Could you talk a little bit about the result of that conversation? What were some of the things you learned from those actors? The election was the, the main motivation for that one, obviously. Um, and this moment in time that it was so um, scary for people. Um, and not knowing, I mean, I mean, whatever, however the election turned out, you know, our desire to do theater was still going to be there, but it was going to be different. And and um, many of us, you know, imagine doing it under a dark you know, cloud of repression, and many of us imagined it opening up again because um, the the need and the sense of empathy around the world, you know, would be so important um, to everyone. And and so 
I thought it was a really great conversation too. Um, I loved having uh, Mary Job in that, and and Rose definitely, uh, both younger and older perspectives on this. Um, uh, what came of it? I just think it was a nice expression of where people were um, at that moment before we knew who was going to win. Um, and and uh, I mean, all of the episodes are going to end kind of that way. You know, there's nothing resolved. It's just a matter of let's let's air out some of the stuff that we think really hasn't been talked about and should be talked about. What do you think about um, some of the stuff that theaters are doing as a response to not being able to have shows like Riverwalk? Um, for example, is uh, doing mock plays, readings on Zoom that people can yeah. watch. Yeah. What do you think about those performances? I think that it's evidence of our need to do something. Um, you know, we're trying all kinds of things. I mean, Ixion Theater uh, did some outdoor stuff um, uh, with with social distancing, and Beverly Creek did the drive-in theater thing with their stuff, and yeah, Riverwalk has done several pieces. I actually, the play that I wrote um, had been, I worked on all summer through Zoom, uh, Zoom rehearsals with a friend, and we, we filmed it um, in August, and we're just waiting for the um, the editing to finish so that we can post it on YouTube and show it to people. Um, everybody wants to do something, and that, that creativity, that, that drive toward creativity is is not about getting attention or anything like that. It's about a, a really deep need that people have to express themselves. And um, the quality of, of these works are, you know, questionable. We're all, you know, we're all new to using technology this way, and certainly I am. Um, so it's not necessarily, you know, bright, bright, brilliant, vibrant, you know, product, but it's something. And... Um, I just think it's great that we're trying, and I think we'll keep learning. Um, Riverwalk is doing um, a doll's house. They just finished auditions for it. Actually, I auditioned for it, but didn't get in. Um, and um, I think that's – they're still, I think – I shouldn't say this because I don't know for sure, but, you know, the idea is it's going to be done virtually on Zoom, but I think they're still hoping that by January in some way it might become a live experience somehow too. So – you know, we're not we're not just sitting down. Everybody's up and working on stuff, and I think that's great. What are your plans for future episodes of House Left? What are some got, topics you're going to want to cover? I got a bunch that I'm really excited about. Um, I want to do one. I'm trying right now to form the panel for one that would be about um, people who are devout Christians um, and who participate in theater and the fact that in theater, you know, often it's a very secular world and even demeaning of Christianity at many times. I was directing a play where I uh, did a lot of the things that I think would be offensive to a Christian person, a devout Christian person. So I'd like to get um, a bunch of them together. Um, I think I have the people now who could talk honestly about, you know, the things that never gets talked about. You know, what does it feel like to be how do you do, you know, plays that may make fun of your core beliefs, and um, how do you how do you how do you square that? Um, I want to do one um, that is only African American women, whose perspective I think is really important right now. Um, for that one, I think I will have to take myself off the screen so that they have a conversation without a white guy sitting in the middle of it. 
Um, and um, I, I tried to do that before the election, actually, but it just it just fell through. I couldn't get um, people to commit on the short time frame. Um, but I was calling it HERD, H-E-A-R-D, meaning um, the opportunity that exists now to have the perspective of African-American women um, heard and seen by people. And, and as long as we don't adopt some kind of artificial cosmetic, you know, response to the uh, the awareness that exists now about racial inequity, um, I think that can be could be really illuminating. And there's some fun ones. I want to do one that's just kids, um, the the children of actors in the community, and, and have them talk about you know what, what does theater mean to you, and um, uh, what do you think of what your parents do as a hobby, um, that kind of stuff. What's your pitch to anybody that might be curious to checking out yeah. the, um, the okay. series? Well, my pitch, I guess, is just come and look at it and see if it makes you, um, if it intrigues you and engages you. Some episodes will attract more people than others, you know, or different people. Um, and um, I don't really, you know, I'm not trying to promote this so much as just have it be known that people can come to it. I mean, it's not monetized or anything like that. I'm just doing it because I want to do it. Um, so, um, and I, I just think that our community is precious. Our favorite community is precious. And, you know, we used to have, you know, gatherings like the Pulse Car Awards and, the, um, you know, the, the, um, the theater in Old, the festival in Old Town, which I can't remember the name of the Renegade Theater. And we don't have those right now, so I just want a place for people to go to to just hear their friends and maybe their people who aren't their friends but they know of them in theater talk about what's going on. This is City Pulse on the air on Impact 89 FM. You can check out Doak Bloss' YouTube series, House Left, by searching House Left and Doak Bloss on YouTube. That's spelled D-O-A-K-B-L-O-S-S. Now let's listen to my conversation with Summer Shiner, owner of Bad Annie's, voted best new business in this year's Top of the Town contest, about what it's like to run a small business during these deeply challenging times. From your perspective, just tell me about what things have been like just since March. It's been, you know, scary and difficult, I think, for for every small business, whether you're a retailer or a restaurant or, um, you know, I think everybody is struggling right now. Uh, we, to be honest, during the first shutdown, um, the first couple of days, I just sort of panicked and thought, I don't, I don't quite know what to do. You know, I need to sort out keeping my employees paid, and you know, um, I decided to try to focus on our online business and. Um, make sure we offered folks curbside who didn't necessarily want to pay for shipping and um, that kind of thing. But it's it's definitely been tough. So we've been really grateful that, that people have kept us in mind and that, you know, folks are still shopping with us. What was it like pivoting to online? Is that, is that still something that's a major focus for Bad Annie? That it like? definitely is. Well, well, we were, we were already online before, um, but this just made us focus on it that much more. We made sure that the entire store essentially was online uh, when everything kind of hit the fan here. And um, 
you know, made sure in our social media to be providing links directly to products on the website. Um, before that, our social media was more, <laughs> I'd say more focused on just silliness and entertaining folks and, you know, um, much more casually, I guess, directing people to our website where um, with the pandemic, we, we definitely focused more on, you know, hey, if you like this and you think it's funny, you can buy it right here. Since the shop has been able to physically reopen and people have been able to come back inside, mm-hmm. what has that experience been like, you know, with all the new coronavirus regulations? You know, that's been a, a an adventure, too. We're we're trying really hard to um, to make it a nice experience for everyone still, and we, we limit um, our capacity to eight people in the store at a time. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of a struggle uh, explaining that to people because they don't, they don't want to wait, you know. Um, but for the most part, we've been really, really grateful. Folks have been, um, have been kind and, and, you know, have been trying to be careful about, you know, making sure that they limit our, their numbers coming in and, you know, um, staying social distanced. We have stickers on the floor to kind of help folks stay far enough apart from one another. And, um, yeah, we're just trying to uh, keep everybody safe the best we can. And Bad Annie's was voted Best New Business in this year's Top of the Town contest. So you did something right that customers responded to. Um, what was it like to you know really grind out through these difficult times to um, keep your business successful? Honestly, the, the support of our clients. We've been really, really lucky that... Um, People have been trying to focus more on, you know, hey, this is a place we want to stay in our community, so we're going to support them and, you know, keep shopping there instead of, you know, going to Amazon or some, you know, big box kind of place. Um, I think Lansing is a really unique area in that it's so, so supportive of small business. And honestly, that's why we're still here because of the support of the community and because people, you know, um, we did, we were up for a matching grant and, you know, I can't even tell you how, how wonderful it was to have the support of our clients and and just of the community um, with this grant. So we wouldn't be here without, without really wonderful supportive community around us. Was that the only grant that Bad Annie's received, or did you get other forms of financial assistance? Um, that was all that I received for that one, but it was a matching grant. So basically, customers, um, you know, chose a level of donation, and and with that level of donation, they got you know certain treats from the store, and then this foundation uh, matched that amount for us. So all told, it ended up being $10,000, but it was $5,000 directly from this community, which was just incredible. What do you think is the most important thing for people to understand about what small business owners are going through right now during this pandemic? You know, um, 
I think all of us just really want to want people to remember us, you know, when they're doing holiday shopping, um, you know, when they need a little pick-me-up treat. We really, we hope that people will remember, you know, we're your community business that, that you know, donates when your kids have a fundraiser or, you know, we're we're part of your community and we don't want to go anywhere, but we, we really more than ever need folks' help right now. Um, we need people to remember us and, you know, shop with us. So I guess we're just hoping that <laughs> people keep all of the Lansing small businesses in mind um, instead of going to those big boxes and instead of going to that Amazon. Um, you know, you'll get great service. You'll get really great, unique pieces. And um, we just hope that folks remember us because we really, we really need them right now to remember us. You're listening to City Pulse on the air on Impact 89 FM. You can read more about what it's like to own a small business during the coronavirus pandemic and check out all of the winners from this year's Top of the Town contest on LansingCityPulse.com. And that does it for this week's show. Tune in next week for a brand new one and we'll leave you with a rare track from a Michigan artist supplied by our very own music editor Rich Topeka.